Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 149 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, on a beautiful Thursday evening. He's Justin Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, normally I like to ask you how you're doing, but I'm going to skip that part right now because I do want to give a shout out to Tony Esposito, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, goaltender, Hockey Hall of Famer. He passed away this week. Normally I do eulogize uh, prominent Canadian uh, hockey players when they pass away just because that's kind of a part of our heritage. Um, anything you want to say about Tony Esposito? I we never be, got to see him play, but he's yeah, one of the best. Before my time, I don't really know much about him, unfortunately. He he. It was way before our time, but he was the kind of player who was ahead of his time. If you go back and you look at how he performed on a season-to-season basis, uh, he, he would have been right at home in the 80s and 90s before the dead puck era. He was that good. He was actually probably the best goaltender of the 70s. And he did play for Team Canada a couple of times, including the Summit Series, uh, where he was a tandem with Ken Dryden. But uh, mm. shout out to Tony Esposito. Rest in peace, bud. Um, now I'm going to ask you, how you doing? How's your week? Uh, week's been good. I'm glad tomorrow's Friday. Um, <laughs> we're doing a little, uh, at my job, we're doing a little party in the park after work tomorrow. So we're going like, to set up a barbecue and... Mm. throw a football and a frisbee around that kind of thing and just cut work a couple hours early and go hang out in a park so that should be nice it's supposed to be a hot day out so that'll be good i'm going to the riders game on saturday night hell yeah and done regina i'm gonna take my sister to the game haven't seen her in a couple of months since she moved down there so that'll be good I'm gonna cool. sit in uh, row three behind the tiger cats bench so i'm gonna be able to heckle them the whole night it's gonna be fun um that's <laughs> eight o'clock take game some, on, uh, on saturday so it should be fun take some pics my guy yeah take i'll post picks. i'll post Where them they on playing? The, i'll post one the bfmd twitter the tiger cats so tiger yeah oh, that's, i'll post, that'll, I'll post that'll them be on the bfmd twitter i've actually got a buddy who plays for the tie cats but uh he's a little banged up so he's not gonna be playing this weekend unfortunately but uh yeah i had originally bought those tickets so i could heckle him but uh, i'll get them next year <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I haven't paid a lot of attention to the return of the CFL. I just, I've been just so busy with other stuff, mostly the podcast stuff and the Jays being as good as they, they have been the last right. couple of weeks. But um, are the, are the uh, riders supposed to contend this year? Mm-hmm. I don't think the tiger cats are the top mm-hmm. team in the West was or East. Sorry. was probably uh, the, the newly sort of revamped uh, Alouette, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I know there lots of people picked the Tiger Cats to win the Grey Cup this year. Um, mm. They got a pretty solid team. They lost their first game at Winnipeg, but first games Oof. are tough. The Riders beat BC in their first game. They went up big and then almost blew it in typical Rider fashion, but the Riders should have one of the best offenses in the league. They've got a, an elite receiving core, and uh, Cody Fajardo led the CFL in, in passing the last full season in 2019. So, uh, yeah, it should be a very high-scoring offense, but it will be up to our defense to keep the opponents uh, at bay but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to going i really missed having or not having football last year it was a big uh a big hole in my summer i usually get down to a few games i've got tickets to yeah. the labor day classic which is the day before labor day against winnipeg in saskatchewan nice. as well too so two of my high school friends are going to come with my girlfriend and i to that game so that's going to be fun as well too but uh yeah those are probably the two games i'll for sure go to and then maybe playoffs if they 
get that far. So I think the Grey Cup's not till like December this year because they started later. But yeah, it's a fourteen game season, so four four less games than when, usual. But when am I getting my team here in, in Atlantic Canada? Yeah. Is there any news on that? The, I haven't seen the scooter, anything. The schooners. The, the Atlant- is it yeah. Atlantic schooner? I'm not sure what the deal is with that. I'm not sure if COVID kind of derailed those plans for a year later. I, I never actually heard when the when the official uh, kickoff for that team was going to happen. But, uh, yeah, it would be good to get uh, Team Atlantic Canada. Anyway, you guys are sorely missing out on some good football. I love the CFL. But. It says, the, or the, the most recent update that I'm seeing here is that the team probably won't be operational until either next year or the year after that because they, there's no stadium. Right. Um, and they're trying to figure out whether or not they'll play at Husky Stadium at SMU mm-hmm. uh, here in Halifax or uh, Croix Bleu in or Croix, Croix Bleu Medivis Stadium in Moncton. Gotcha. So I don't know. I, do, I don't really give a, Put them a in shit Halifax. either way. If it's, at, if it's at Husky Stadium, I'll be able to go because it's like a 20-minute walk from where I am. Yeah. It's not bad at all. I would definitely go to see that. But that is a small little stadium. I don't think that's – that might not even seat 5,000 people, for God's sake. They would have to add add seats to it, and I'm sure they would. Um, it, I guarantee you it would sell out, though. That's a, that's a big draw. I mean, even the Halifax Wanderers, the uh, – the uh, Canadian soccer team that was like relatively new. They're only mm-hmm. a couple of years old, I think. They just started having home games again in Halifax, and they're starting to pick up momentum as far as uh, as far as like uh, people in the stands and stuff. It's That's becoming great. a big big deal again. Yeah, I, I like that because Halifax only has the Moosehead, and, and they only play for part of the year, right? You guys have the lacrosse team, do you not too? Right, we just got the the Thunder or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, again, they were another team, I think, that suffered a little bit from COVID. For sure. And we used to have the Halifax Rainmen. I don't know, for the that Canadian, like, basketball right. thing. Yeah. So, But, like, having, like, a major sports team, like, for the CFL is a big deal in Canada. Yeah. And I just feel like if we had a team, I think it would – you can't – Moncton is too small to have the team. But if it was in Halifax, I think it would, you know – you'd see some pretty significant draws. I would love that. I would actually get back into the CFL if we had a team here. I would For love sure. That. Yeah, behind the Jays, the, the Riders are probably the team I follow the most. So out of my so, my favorite teams. Long, long time removed from the days of Chris Getzlaff, uh, brother of Ryan Getzlaff and uh, Andy yeah. Fantuz, eh? They wrote, the Canadian Air Force, they used to call those that receiving <laughs> core. We had Rob Bag, Andy Fantuz, Jason Claremont, and uh, Chris Getzlaff. So... Four yeah. Canadian boys lighting it up. That was when Darian Durant was the quarterback. Those were good days. Uh, they were good days. Those were fun times to be a rider. How many championships did you guys win? We won in uh, 2007 and 2011 or 13. With the same crew? With the, with, like... with a few of the same guys, yeah. yeah. Okay. Kerry Joseph was the quarterback in 07, but Fantuz was already like our leading receiver then. And yeah. then in 13, I think it was 13. Um, shout out to the riders shout out to the riders Golden. let's get started man there's a lot to talk yeah, about maybe sure. we should we should shout out our stuff though first because i kind of forgot that last <laughs> last week follow us on twitter at bfmd podcast check us out on the usual channels anchor apple spotify google podcasts breaker pocket cats radio public stitcher tune in and more still got the website bfmdpodcast.com 
Uh, as usual, thanks for taking the time. Check us out. Uh, let's get into it. Yeah, let's uh, look at some injury updates first. There's a few things to chat about. Some roster moves, first of all. A lot of stuff from yesterday, August 11th. Uh, Ross Stripling was placed on the 10-day injured list with a left oblique strain. He did toss two scoreless innings uh, against the Angels before having to leave. Um, so that's that's too bad. Uh, he did post a picture on Twitter today, though. He got his championship ring from the Dodgers, and he was holding his baby. So at least he's going to get some time with his family, because I know that was one mm-hmm. of the things that he had commented on when they were going to Toronto is not being able to see his family for a while. So at least he'll get yeah. some of that. And hopefully it helps him recuperate and, and feel better. Uh, Trent Thornton is back on the team. He was up as the 27th man for the doubleheader uh, for both the reason doubleheaders, but he, and he also uh, pitched uh, in the doubleheader against the angels. Uh, he's, he's on the uh, back on the 26th man roster in, in uh, Stripling's place. Connor Overton was selected from AAA Buffalo, Patrick Marsh. The Jays uh, DFA'd Patrick Murphy, which is kind of a surprising move to uh, make room for Connor Overton, who is uh, 2-1 with a 203 ERA in 21 games, 7 starts for the Bisons. Uh, he recorded 50 Ks and 10 walks over uh, 57 and two-thirds innings. He's 28 years old, and when he makes his first appearance, that will be his Major League Baseball debut. I believe he's been in 10 organizations or something I saw. So, Holy uh, A lot of perseverance for this guy. So looking forward to seeing Connor Overton uh, pitch in the bigs here, hopefully sometime this weekend, if not tonight. Yeah. Um, wow. Injury updates. So we've got a few guys on the uh, injured list. Bo Bichette is still day-to-day. He's got those shin contusions. He fouled two balls off of his off of his shin in the same at-bat, which does not feel good. Uh, but he was held out of the lineup yesterday on August 11th. Uh, Montoyo said he was not feeling great due to contusions on his shins. He doesn't expect Bichette to need to go on the injured list. Uh, he, Bichette did play both games of the doubleheader on the 10th. And I'll be interested to see if he's in the lineup tonight. I haven't seen the Jays lineup for this game yet, but we'll keep an eye out as we're recording about an hour and a half uh, before game time today. Um, oh, never mind. It's just posted and no Bichette in the lineup today. We've got Springer, Samin, Guerrero, Hernandez, Dickerson, Grichuk, Valera, Espinal, Maguire, and Barrios on the mound. So Bichette will miss his second straight day. I'm sure we'll get an update on that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Tim Meza on the IL with left elbow inflammation. He's expected to return during the series in Washington that begins on August the 17th, so less than a week away. He's been rehabbing in Buffalo, I believe, um, which is good. Joaquim Soria, who has right middle finger inflammation, he's expected to be activated for that series in Washington as well. Uh, he's only Obviously, he only pitched in one appearance for the Jays, uh, one score this inning before hitting the IL, but he'll be back soon as well too. Jansen, Denny Jansen is on the IL with a right hamstring strain. He is progressing well. He's ramped up baseball activities by running on the bases. Uh, he's going to begin a rehab assignment with Buffalo soon. Expected to return is late August if they call him up. We'll talk about that another day probably. Uh, third baseman Kevin Biggio with mid-back tightness. He actually is, an, uh, is active for the Bisons tonight uh, on, in a rehab assignment. Um, he's battled through a few injuries this season, including neck and hand issues. So interesting to see if uh, we can get a healthy Biggio back. He's just been banged up all year. Probably a guy who will benefit from an off-season of rest and hopefully a better 2022. Uh, Anthony Castro, there's no timeline for him. He's on the aisle with right ulnar nerve irritation, so in his elbow. Um, there's no immediate timeline for Castro. 
Ray Hunter was one of the best stories of the early months for the season of the season so far for the Jays. Uh, he he did struggle before getting injured. The last update for him was in the middle of July. Julian Merriweather is throwing, um, throwing side sessions, uh, still battling some things. Uh, unsure if he will come back this season. Hopefully the club will get him to throw uh, live bullpen sometime soon and participate in rehab before coming back. It'd be nice to get him back in the bullpen. Uh, Nate Pearson is on the aisle with a sports hernia, potentially able to come back uh, in late August. He threw 18 pitches in a one-inning sim game on August the 7th, Patrick. He was sitting somewhere between 96 and 99. Uh, it was his first time throwing since June the 16th, so he was off for about a month and a half. They're going to build him back up as a reliever for the stretch run. And Montoyo has said that he envisions a sixth or seventh inning role for Pearson. So medium to low leverage situations uh, yeah. if he does come back. So uh, they're going to do the old Aaron Sanchez approach and use one of their top prospects in the bullpen, which probably makes sense because you can always, you can never have too many flamethrowers in the bullpen. That's the injury updates, Patrick. <laughs> I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of injuries, but it's worth saying to, to a lot of this stuff. Okay. When it comes to Ross Stripling, he's already been on the IL. This is day two yeah. of a 10 day stay. So he's probably bleak, only going to miss two starts. Hopefully. And oblique is potentially bad. We're waiting, I think for a second MRI. I would expect him to be out a month. That would be my, yeah, it's be my very team. possible. It really depends on the degree to which the oblique is strained. Yeah. It's one of those, shitty injuries that you kind of have to let heal and then he has to get back to throwing it's probably one of those things that's gonna uh i hate to say it but it, when he returns it's more likely than not that he'll return as a bullpen arm because there just won't be enough time for him to ramp back up very very possible to starter to starter level throwing which sucks because if you look at his statistics since may 24th his ERA was 3.26, and uh, the team went eight and five or eight and six in games he had started, mm-hmm. and he had won. He had been in them long enough to win five of them. So yeah. His record had improved dramatically. His stats improved dramatically, uh, all because he was willing to make those tweaks. And they talked a lot about this in uh, the, his previous start that he also won uh, before he got injured. There, the one where he went, he I think he did five, yeah. five innings. Yeah, and he got the win. And obviously, we're big Ross Stripling uh, fans here. I don't know what they, what Stripling fans call themselves. Do they call themselves just chicken strips? Is that what we're doing? I don't know. <laughs> just strips? <laughs> anyway, whatever. We're happy that uh, Strips got his got his ring. I think that's super cool the Dodgers did that. Yeah. Um, even though they probably didn't have to, um, but because he had been with the organization so long. Uh, he and he was with ring. them up to the trade deadlines. He was there really for the majority of the shortened season. Yeah, so. I, sometimes I wonder, like, how frustrating would it be to be traded from the team that eventually wins the World <laughs> Series? Probably a little bit. But, Probably uh, a little bit frustrating because, I mean, he had spent his entire career in Los Angeles, and now he's with Toronto. Yep. But they're playing in Buffalo. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, Strips will probably come back as a, as a, either a long reliever or a high leverage 6-7 inning. Someone who can get us at least six outs without giving up a hit or a walk. Yeah. He's got, uh, he's got good stuff. It's good It's good that we'll likely have Meza and Soria back for that Washington series along with Biggio. So there will be some big league reinforcements coming. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Espinal and Valera. If Which one of them will be off the roster because Valera would need a DFA. 
he does not have any options whereas espinal could be sent down it'll probably be whichever one's playing better at the time they both play both play pretty good defense uh yeah. and then meza and soria are definitely going to be slotting back into the bullpen they've been two of our or meza has been one of our better arms uh yeah he's been our best left-handed arm yeah since june 1st he had a 121 era so uh, yeah. 145, 188, 184 slash line in that time span. So um, extremely reliable. He's pretty much revived his MLB career. He'll probably get some decent consideration for comeback player of the year. Very possible. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, but that that's not yeah, that's not sure. a far fetched uh, thing to say for sure. Um, looking at somebody else here, moving away from pitchers, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Patrick. Uh, views on the six at views on the number six on Twitter this afternoon posted uh, Lotus Gurriel in his last 66 games hitting 302 with a 341 on base percentage and a 515 slug for an 856 OPS, which is very good for those of you who don't know uh, those numbers. Per 162 games, it'd be 175 hits, 42 doubles, 28 long balls, and 94 driven in. So um Lourdes Gurriel's on a better pace we all know that he got off to a terrible start but Patrick you've been a longtime supporter of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. talk about your guy for a second here yeah absolutely I mean the thing to keep in mind with Gurriel was his the start to his season was so terrible it was so frustrating for him <laughs> that it, it pretty much tanked his entire season's worth of totally. like statistics so it's almost impossible to look at his numbers and not kind of chalk a lot, especially the batting average up to mm. a very slow start because he has been remarkably consistent at the plate. He's, he's hitting about the same. He's basically just another Teoscar Hernandez. He has the same level of, or he's demonstrated this year, at least the same level of power, probably a little less patience than Hernandez at the plate, uh, but they have different roles in the lineup. Uh, and for the longest time, I could not understand why Lourdes Gurriel Jr. wasn't hitting higher up in the lineup, whether it was five or six. Um, but Randall Gritch uh, continued to struggle until the switch was made. And guess what? Since then, we're eight and two. Yep. <laughs> what else is there to say, really? Gurriel is as good a, uh, a young, uh, versatile uh, defender. He can play at least four different positions that I can think of. He's just a guy who's going to stick with this team for a long time. He's very attractive trade bait, but why would you trade him when, like you said, the 162 game average of even this season is super impressive. So be happy that he's on this team and he's going to be on this team for a long time, at least five more seasons. If I'm remembering his contract status correctly. At Old Takes Exposed is going to come looking for this episode when he gets traded this offseason. <laughs> if he does, I'd be really disappointed because I see him as being a very comp competent outfielder and a guy who can slot into left field or right field. I we'll, we'll would never put him anywhere but left field. I don't. I still don't trust him in the outfield, man. He's He takes adventures. Every fly ball is an adventure well, in left field. He can throw. I wouldn't call him a good fielder i would call him a good athlete <laughs> a good thrower okay. fair enough he yeah. had i mean remember last year or was it last year yeah or the year before we were trying to force him in at third and it just wasn't working or was it third or he was second? playing second base when he got the yips yep yeah it just didn't it did, didn't work that was his position all throughout his career was second base but he just yeah. couldn't he just couldn't make that throw to first 
shortest throw in the ball down and he couldn't make it. Um, yeah, now he's in the outfield he and he's done down guys. At home plate. Yeah, he's, I think he's yeah. got the most outfield assists in the major leagues. So That's why I think he's more than a competent defender. But I, we don't have to have that argument yeah. this time around. We can wanna, look at the... fight today, Patrick. <laughs> Nothing but love for you. Uh, let's talk about the, the first three games against the Angels. Um, game number one was on Tuesday. It was a doubleheader. In that first game, Steven Matz started. He didn't do too poorly. He went four and two-thirds, ran into some trouble in the fifth inning. He gave up four runs, but only two of them were earned. There were a couple of errors in this game. He walked three and struck out five. Trent Thornton gave up one run. Rafael Dolis gave up one run. He walked a couple of batters. It was really his first rough outing since coming back off of the uh, injured list. The Blue Jays dropped this one six to three. Offensively, uh, Samin had three three hits. Uh, Hernandez had two. Valera added two as well. Um, it was just a, a game where the Jays had opportunities and couldn't cash them in. They had base runners, as we've talked about before, and just couldn't do anything with them. Any thoughts on that one, Patrick? I know you haven't been able to watch much of these games. <laughs> no, I think I was... It's a late night boy. Yeah, I think I might have been... I woke up in the middle of the night or, like, I woke up... I was, like, dozing or something around midnight. And the <laughs> Yeah, I checked, and for whatever reason that I still don't understand, uh, they used Trent Thornton and Rafael Dolis in high-leverage situations, and they both gave up a run. Yeah. Dolis is an adventure every time he goes out there. He got one out, <laughs> but he gave up one hit, one earned run, and two walks. I yeah. I, I don't understand... It was uh, but when you look at the next box score, you'll, you'll see why it was a good thing that they didn't use their their really good pitchers in that game. Because that yeah. was the game where Stripling left. Uh, Let's just say though, like analyzing this in a vacuum, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a little bit baffling to me. They brought Thornton up as a twenty seventh man, so I think they thought they would use him and then send him down. Yeah, uh, which I, they I, did I technically, but then they had to call him back up because of Stripling's placement on the IL. Yeah. That's got to suck for him to be yo-yoed all the time and to be struggling. And that's that happens to be not a very good pitcher. So, um. well, you said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second game of the doubleheader, the nightcap, the Jays won four to nothing. It was their major league leading sixth shutout since the All-Star break, Patrick, which is an interesting Jeez. stat. Their pitching has been very good for the most part. Um, Stripling went two innings, one hit, one walk, as he actually looked reasonably okay in that game, but left with abdominal discomfort. Later found it was, of course, the strained oblique. Uh, Trevor Richards came in. He went two strong innings, one walk, two strikeouts, no hits allowed. Adam Simber got six outs, one strikeout, including uh, it was a strikeout of Shohei Otani. He threw two sliders, basically, right down the gut, and then got him with a fastball. Um, and then Jordan Romano had an interesting seventh inning, to say the least. He walked a batter, gave up a couple of hits, but then struck out uh, two, including Otani again to win the game. So um, <laughs> he blew him away with 99 up in the zone. So, um, yeah, it wasn't close. Uh, offensively, pretty even spread. Jays had four runs on nine hits. Bichette and Hernandez had a couple hits apiece in that game. Uh, Vladdy had a hit in RBI, struck out a couple times, though. Samin was 0 for 2 with two walks, so he was getting on base. Uh, Jays had three walks and three strikeouts in that one, so a nice little even spread there. And they uh, got, this, got the split in the doubleheader. Yeah, I was out cold for this one, I think. But... Yeah, this one was, was a, was a uh, 7.05 or something start for me, so it had been a 10 o'clock time for you. 
Whoa. start time. Yeah, no yeah. bueno. I think I was still awake when Strips was out of the game, and Possible. I was like, "Oh god, damn I'm pretty it. sure you we already have me two... in the morning." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I was. I think I saw it, but then I just kind of rolled over and was like, "God, nope, I hope not he's today." Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was really, I was really concerned. We were up to nothing, but still, yeah. I was yep. like, "Palms are sweaty, upsetty spaghetti." Um, I didn't know what to think. But I'm glad we pulled out the win. It's nice to see when the offense is spread out or when it lines up so everybody gets their, you know, their one hit of the game, yeah. you know, all at the same time. Uh, Guriel with the two ribbies, you love to see it. You love it when the bottom of that order is generating offense. For sure. That's what won, that's what won us the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, yesterday's game was uh, kind of a different story. Uh, it was a 10-2 to victory for the Blue Jays, and Alec Manoa was the story of this one for, for the Jays uh, pitching-wise. The rookie now has a 2.59 ERA. His ERA actually went Ooh. up one point in this game, wow. point zero one. Uh, but he went six and two-thirds through a season-high 114 pitches. They let him, they let him work out uh, in the... Uh, in the seventh inning, he came in at 90 pitches, and he got into a little bit of trouble. Uh, he walked two batters in that inning, but he did have 11 strikeouts, which is a career high. The only damage to him was a two-run home run to Shohei Otani, and <laughs> what can you do about that? He made he made a pretty good slider pitch down down low, but that's where Otani's sweet spot is, and he took him straight away center field. Uh, Sacedo came in and mopped up uh, Manoa's two base runners. Uh, and, and got got pitched to four outs with one strikeout, and then Brad Hand got three outs on six pitches in the ninth to close that one out. Uh, the Jays roughed up Dylan Bundy pretty good. George Springer hit two home runs in the game. He's got 16 home runs and 172 at-bats, Patrick Marsh. That's a 55-ish home run pace in a full season, so that's fun. Um, Tasker Hernandez had his first career grand slam, in this game, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. also had a home run, three hits, and another two runs batted in his second game row with two RBIs. His batting average, as we mentioned in the last 30 games, is great, but he's up to 265 overall in the season. Overall, the Jays scored 10 runs on 10 hits. Patrick Marsh it was a very efficient night. Uh, Vladi was over four, but did reach base on a walk. Uh, we'll talk about him in a second, but he's been a little bit cold. But that game, Patrick Marsh, uh, Alec Manoa, I stayed up just to watch him. Uh, I had mentioned last time that I, I officially called him up off my minor league squad in my dynasty uh, fantasy league, and he's been money in those last two starts. So that was a good decision on my part. But what did you feel? What did you think about that one? Did you watch the highlights this morning? I don't remember if I did. I don't think I had it's time. It's been a this long morning. day. <laughs> it, it's been a really long. It's been a week. Uh, yeah, just uh, these late games are so difficult to watch. That being said. Uh, nothing Alec Manoa does surprises me anymore. This kind of feels like the norm for him, which is crazy because he's still a young buck. Yeah. He's still going out there and he's King these, you know, all-star players. And it's, you love to see it. It's nice to have some, somebody, you know, come right out of triple a and just start mowing down these uh, MLB teams. And the angels are a team. We absolutely have to be like, we, we have to win this series. And we're throwing out a young guy there with not that much MLB experience. And he looks like he's a, a, you know, a seasoned veteran. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about the sauce man, Taylor Sacedo. Mm -hmm. He had that really bad game back on August 4th against Cleveland. 
You remember that? Didn't yeah, he gave, up, he gave up a bunch of soft hits. It's all ground balls, too, which is really unfortunate. It's kind of like really, a Hunjin Ryu game. <laughs> pretty much tripled his, his ERA for the... or It at least doubled his yeah. ERA for the season. I think it went from two to close to five. Yep. Um, and ever since then, he, he uh, you know, one inning, nothing. No hits, no earned runs. One inning, no hits, no earned runs. Is this somebody that we can rely on down the stretch in the pen? Or is it just kind of touch and go? I, I I still wouldn't say he's a high leverage pitcher. He was in in a in a uh, in that that time it would have been um, I guess seven to two for the Jays. So it was low leverage. Yeah, but I mean, still. I wouldn't put him in like he's not a Tim Mesa lefty. He's not an Adam Simber style righty. Like he he's not going to be a guy who comes in a high <laughs> leverage. But he's going to wowza. Bless you, Ooh, but he's not sorry. gonna. He's not going to come in and uh, and close games. But yeah, he can provide quality middle innings for sure. And you need guys we, like that. We kind of need that. I'd rather see him come out of the pen than Dolis. Every time Dolis hits the mound, I feel like I have to turn it off because if I do, it's like I'm just not gonna be able to handle it because <laughs> it's just such an adventure. Yeah, it's like watching Guriel play left field when Dolis is on the mound. Yeah. Um. Let's look at the standings. Let's look at the standings. Uh, Division leaders are Tampa, Houston, and the White Sox, who are playing the Yankees in the Field of Dreams game right now, if you're interested in checking that out. Um, Wild card race. Oakland has taken the top spot from the Boston Red Sox. They are two games up on Boston now. Oakland sits at 67 and 48. They are 8 and 2 in their last 10, including a seven in a row win streak. They're going to try and go for their. uh, what was it 21 wins in a row or something stupid again Moneyball styles yeah um boston is three and seven in their last 10 they are 66 and 51 it's that's too bad um the yankees are seven and three in their last 10 they sit at 63 and 51 uh, a half game behind them at 62 and 51 are your toronto blue jays sitting at eight and two in their last 10 two games back of boston for the wild card it's close patrick marsh the standings are crazy the Jays play one more game against the Angels tonight. The Jays have a six-game lead on the Angels now, and the Angels are eight back in the wild card. The Jays are doing their best to bury them in this series. The Mariners are still hanging around, though. They've won two in a row. They sit at five and five their last ten, but are four and a half games back of Boston for that second wild card spot, and still six games above 500. Of course, we're going to tee up that series in a minute here, but the Jays are heading to Seattle for three games this weekend. Um... Patrick, these these standings are they're they're spreading out a little bit. We had Cleveland closer the last time we looked at this. They're nine games back now. They're the same games back as the same winning percentage as the Detroit Tigers of all teams. Both teams are three games below five hundred. Um, the Angels have dropped a game below, and Seattle. The gap between Seattle and uh, LA has really really grown in the last few days. Yeah, things have unfolded uh, about what we expected. I was kind of hoping that we would go for the sweep on the Angels, and it's still possible for us to take the series. Mm -hmm. We don't want the split. We want the win. We would love the win. We need to gain ground on Boston. Yeah, Oakland just won 17 to nothing today, so (laughs) against the Reds. Yeah, Oakland is starting to pull away. Yeah, Houston is starting to struggle a little bit, so there is a lot of possibility as far as, you know, us end up having to compete with either Houston or Oakland for a wild card spot. Right. There's still enough runway left in this season that there's no reason for us to sweat. No. Especially since we're 8-2, and... Seattle is very vulnerable 
to uh, our projected pitchers, and we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I think it's safe to say Cleveland and Detroit for sure are are toast or pretty close to it. They're not mathematically eliminated, of course, but being nine games back, it means they have to win nine more games than what Boston wins for the rest of the year, uh, which is probably going to be above 500. So it's just the the deficit is getting too big. I think if at this point, if you're more than if you're eight or more games back, you're probably toast. Pretty close and to yeah. This series has pretty much killed uh, any chance the Angels have of recouping their season. There are too many injuries. It's a built-in excuse for Matt, them. I'm surprised that the Angels have lasted as long as they did with without without Mike Trout. Like they've well, they've yeah, fought we, admirably and 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 they gotta give them props for that. But it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what what their season would have looked like had Trout not got injured. Well, the problem I think for them ultimately, aside from the injuries, because remember they're also missing uh, Anthony Rendon, who was, and, having, was having a terrible season, by the way. Yeah, I was having a, but I mean, like he's still a great player, just having one bad season. But, but what I'm getting at is you know, a huge portion of the talent that they yeah. paid for is, is riding the pine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't help them. It helps that Otani has been, you know, the MVP of the league, but it can only get you so far. And they're also having to rock a really like struggling Dylan Bundy as a starter. Yeah. And it's not getting any easier for him. <laughs> I no. think, I think the angels are toast, whether they win tonight or not. It's just whether we win tonight or not it does have an impact on us. We really need to keep stride with the Yankees and just hope that their luck falters sooner than ours. So what you're saying, Patrick, is wins are good and losses are bad. Wins are good, losses are bad. Huh, interesting uh, this, take. This series against Seattle is basically the chance for us to do what we're doing to the Angels now, which is stomping on their face and burying them <laughs> in the standings. Yeah. So this is kind of it for Seattle. Their backs are against the wall, and they're running out of space to gain ground on teams like Boston and Oakland. They definitely can't catch, uh, you know, the division title. Not when they're, you know, floating at five, you know at five hundred in their last ten games. Right. So, so this is it. The Jays go to Seattle and smoke them. Whether it's a series win or a sweep, that's it's perfect for us and it kills one of our opponents so then we just got to deal with the yankees and yeah the red sox before we talk about seattle i want to throw one more thing at you patrick marsh um yep you you were you weren't really aware of this when i pointed it out but our our boy vlad has been struggling in in the last uh month of the season here um uh, last 30 games hitting only 246 with a 315 on base and in a uh, 42 slugging which is not above 800. It's eight or uh, 797, which is well below his 1,000 OPS on the year. Um, over the last 30 games, eight home runs, 19 driven in, 11 walks, and 22 strikeouts. Patrick, the last seven games are even worse. He's four for his last 27, one home run, three walks, and eight strikeouts. The strikeouts are going up. The walks are staying about where they were. He's still walking at a good clip. Nothing wrong with that. The power numbers have gone down quite a bit for Vladdy. He uh, Joe Siddle did a great piece before last night's game about his uh, his swing. He just kind of looks like he's off balance. He's rushing things a little bit. It could be a case of fatigue. This is uh, this will be the most games in a, se- in a in a big league season that Vladdy will ever play. 
Um, obviously, nobody played more than 60 last year. He's only had a couple of, he's only missed a couple of games. I think one game he's only had completely off this year. Yeah. Are you worried about Vlad Guerrero Jr.? No. He's been an MVP caliber player up to this point, even with the last 30 games in consideration. Yeah. If this team was, perf- if they had a worse record, like if they weren't eight and two in their last. If they didn't game, have George Springer. <laughs> if we didn't have George Springer, I'd be more concerned. But this is the thing: is good teams are built so when you have your your MVP, if they do happen to struggle, you're still able to be successful. We saw it in 2015 when our MVP player struggled a little bit down the stretch in Josh Donaldson. We yeah. still won the division for the first time in. 20 something years or whatever it was mm-hmm. uh, 22 years or something like that. Anyway, uh, we were still able to pull it off because we had such a deep team. We had Batista and Carnacion and Tulowitzki. It was just, it was a really difficult lineup to face. Uh, and even with bit players like Russell Martin, et cetera, et cetera. It, we're built the same now where our MVP player, if he struggles, there's guys to pick up the slack. We've already talked about, uh, Guriel and his performance in the last 30 games, but you know, let's talk about George Springer, who's been the best hitter since the All Star break in MLB. Yeah. Or Teoscar Hernandez, who is hitting for power, not to the same level as last year, but he's hitting for average at a considerably higher clip than his 2019 and previous seasons. This is the real Hernandez now. This is what we can expect from him on the regular he's demonstrated that now but these guys are filling up the lineup and they're they're performing admirably when we need them to so no i'm not worried about Vladdy because he'll he'll regress to the mean eventually yeah the rest of the team is performing well enough that it can kind of mask this so it's not a problem until it becomes a problem for sure. No, I'm with you. You you, you made all the points <laughs> that I wanted to make so i'm just going to rest my case um looking ahead We've got one game against the Angels, which starts an hour and five minutes from now. It's Jose Barrios versus Shohei Otani, a very fun pitching matchup. If you happen to catch this episode before that game, stop listening for now and go watch this game. Come back to us after. Uh, tomorrow, the Jays are going to head to Seattle for a three-game set. A couple more late nights for you, Patrick. We've got 10.10 uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time starts, which is even 8 o'clock for me. Um, the Saturday game, I'm not gonna be able to watch because I will be at a football game at the exact same time. It's eight o'clock kickoff in Regina. But uh, first game is going to be Robbie Ray versus Chris Flexen, who we saw the last time the Mariners visited Buffalo. Um, on Saturday, Robbie, or sorry, Saturday, sorry, Hunjin Ryu is going to face UC Kikuchi. Kikuchi was great against us the last time that the Mariners pitched against us here. So it'll be interesting to see how the Jays uh, adapt to him. And then in the, in the Sunday's game, the series finale, which will be a little bit earlier in the afternoon, uh, 4.10 p.m. Eastern, so at 5 o'clock time for you, Patrick. Uh, Steven Matz will go to the mound against Logan Gilbert, who is a young stud for the Mariners, one of their top prospects who is pitching reasonably well. He's 5-3 and three with a 4.05 earner on average this season. Uh, it's some good pitching matchups. The Mariners are sending a guy in Flexen who's 10-5, and five, a guy in Kikuchi who lit us up last time. Uh, against two of our best, and then Steven Matz. Um, three lefties, uh, as Mitch Bannon pointed out on Twitter, the Mariners have the sixth worst team OPS against left-handed hitters or left-handed pitchers in baseball. It's below 700. 
So definitely uh, playing the matchups here this weekend. What do you think is going to happen in, in Seattle, Patrick? This is going to be the toughest three-game series I think that we have seen all season because this is it for Seattle. This is To them, this is as intense as you know the ALDS is going to be where it's best three of five. There's, we're getting our three best pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's if they don't win these three games, they're screwed. It's all it's pretty much over for them. So this is we're going to see a very desperate Seattle team that relies extremely heavily on their pitching. And if their pitching falters, they're screwed. Yeah. Um, um, I trust our guys to be consistent. So if if they're if Seattle pitching falters at all, you're gonna see a lot of late inning comebacks. Yeah, by Toronto in this series. On, I, uh, I still think we take them. On on paper, it should be lopsided. The Jays have a plus 132 run differential to Seattle's negative 49. Yeah. Uh, Seattle's not bad at preventing runs; they're just bad at scoring them. They've scored 105 runs less than the Blue Jays have, and I believe they've played uh, four more game, three more games than us at this point. So they're they've got to score like 33 runs their next couple of games to just to get close to our run score total. But uh, hopefully they don't do that against us. But anyway, uh, that's kind of that. I, I think the Jays are going to take two to three in Seattle. I think they're going to beat Flexen and Gilbert. Kikuchi's going to be difficult. Robbie Ray's gonna, or uh, Hunter is going to be in tough on, on Saturday. Uh, based on what Kikuchi, Kikuchi, I have a hard time saying his name, did last time against us. Uh, I think it'll be a difficult matchup. But uh, It is. Yeah. It is. These next four games, they're all... They're, we're facing very good pitching the next four games. And, you know, our guys are no slouches either. Barrios is, you know, all-star caliber. Robbie Ray, all-star caliber. Uh, Hwanjin Ryu is, has been consistent. We've seen a decline in his performance, but he always bounces back. And that's the thing is he's one of those guys who just can bounce back from a bad start. Yep. I think these next four games that we're highlighting here, we have to win at least three of them minimum it has to be three whether it's three against seattle uh or one two or three from seattle and the one tonight uh personally the game against the angels means less because they're behind us and they're toast most likely uh sweeping seattle would be devastating to that to the mariners and very beneficial to us 100 percent, yeah for sure it just puts more of a gap between them which means if we're within three games of the Yankees with those last seven games in September, uh, that's it for us. Those those games mean way more because that could be the difference between getting the wild card and not. And we can't split those games. We have to dominate them. So let's get the, let's get these Dubs in the book and uh, you know get ready for Washington uh, the following week. And I guess we'll preview that on Saturday or Sunday. Yep. Yeah, that'll do it for us. So. One hour to first pitch tonight. Enjoy the game. Uh, For Patrick Marshall in Halifax, Justin here in Saskatoon, remember to follow us on Twitter, at BFMD Podcast. Same way to find our website is bfmdpodcast.com. You can find the episodes there. They're also hosted on Anchor, distributed to Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. We're going to catch you guys, as Patrick said, Sunday evening after the finale of the Seattle Mariners series, hopefully with good news. Uh, And we'll be able to preview these series with the Washington Nationals that will begin next week on Tuesday. 
But for now, we'll leave you to, to watch Shohei Otani versus Jose, Jose Barrios tonight. Enjoy the game.